Well, uh, 2020 has been a strange year, a challenging year, hasn't it? Yeah, I asked a few people over the last couple of weeks, I said, describe this year in one word. And, and here's the things I, I heard uh, several times. Unsettling, scary, divisive, exhausting, disturbing, isolating. Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah, all I want for Christmas. I mean, all I want for Christmas is for everyone to experience the, the peace, the love, and the joy of Jesus Christ that only Jesus can provide. And I want to invite you to come home for Christmas this year, to come home and to give Christmas, uh, to me, it's an opportunity to drop the negativity, to leave all the contentionness, the philosophies, the politics, to leave it out there and to find hope in Jesus Christ, to find hope in Christmas. And I want to encourage you this Christmas to, to bring your, your weariness, your exhaustion, bring it to Jesus. He'll give you rest. You see, Christmas, it's a time for coming home. It's a time for snow and mistletoe, presents around the tree. It's a time for celebrating with, with family and friends. And I know at, at first glance it might appear that we are anything but alone. But the reality is in the midst of the festivities, I know for a fact that some of you are dealing with profound sense of loneliness. In fact, more than you even want to admit. And the, the fact is, it can be overwhelming. And I was thinking about my first experience um, with loneliness that I can remember is when I was in elementary school. And we moved from uh, Pawnee, Illinois, to Key West, Florida. In which, I know, it sounds exotic, doesn't it? I mean, I love the Keys, you know that, because I talk about it a lot. But the school, awful. I mean, it was Awful. You know, attending uh, Ponce de Leon was, uh, it was kind of like moving from a prep school to the penitentiary, all right? I mean, it really was. We, we had 20 high-foot fences around our school. We had armed guards at the gates. We were patted down every morning before we could enter the premise. And it was culture shock for me. And to top it off, it was a mid-year move. And any of you that have ever done that know mid-year's a tough one. I remember uh, entering my classroom. The kids were going nuts in there. And I walked in, and my teacher, Mrs. Kashmir, she's like, welcome to class day. I'm like, it's Damon. To which she pointed out an empty desk. I took my seat. And she introduced me to the class. She said, this is day. He's from Pawnee, Illinois. And I'm going, Damon. <laughs> it's Damon. I remember she turned her back. She started writing on the board. And one of the kids gets up that was sitting behind me. He runs up to my desk, knocks my notebook off. And it hits the floor. She turns around. She realizes what's happened. To which she said, Stefan, 
Don't treat day like that on his first day here. Welcome to school. (laughs) I mean, I, I was praying and I was counting the seconds till the recess bell would ring. And when it did, I I hit the playground and I thought, okay, I'm going to meet some new friends. And so I'm walking around and I noticed a lot of kids were gathered in circles and they were playing a game. I'd never seen the game before. Uh, Later, I found out the the game was called talk or knock in English. And um, they had uh, marbles and dice. And so I'm kind of fascinated and I'm watching the game. That was until Stefan, the kid that hates notebooks, he come up and proceeds to start cussing me out. And he told me he was going to mess me up if I didn't find something else to do. If I just kept hanging around, it was like, you're, you're in trouble. And I will tell you, I learned, uh, it's not uh, politically correct maybe today, but I had to learn how to fight to make it at Ponce de Leon. And if you didn't, I mean, pretty much uh, things were going to be miserable. And, but I remember that day, I started walking around the perimeter of the playground. And I am thinking to myself how awful this is. And I'm having a, having a party, a pity party at this point. And friends, I can remember that. If I close my eyes, I remember it like it was yesterday. See, I missed home. I wanted to go back to home. You know, the poet uh, Milton, he calls loneliness the first thing that God named as not good after he had created everything. You know, Mother Teresa said it's easier to fill a hungry stomach than to heal a lonely and empty heart. You know, you talk to someone that maybe is overseas this year in the military, and they'll tell you about loneliness. Talk to a divorced parent that's spending their first Christmas alone. You know, someone that recently uh, lost a loved one. Talk to somebody that's lost their job this year. Talk to someone whose world has been turned upside down and is crumbling. Many friends, many people are dealing with loneliness these days. Yet it can almost go unnoticed in this festive time of the year, but make no mistake about it. Loneliness, it's real, and it exists. And so how do, how do we deal with that? How do we deal with that? You know, I'll be home for Christmas. I, I love that song uh, that they just got done singing. And, and that song kind of got me thinking about the fact that Jesus left his home. He left his home and came to earth that first Christmas so that we could come home, so that we wouldn't have to be separated from God, so that we could make it through life and not have to experience that loneliness that we feel many times. Isaiah says this, he says, it is your sin that separates you from God. He turns away from you when he sees them. Did you catch that there? It, it, it's our sins, it's our uh, moral failures, it's our foul-ups, our, our, our disobedience that, that separates us from God, that puts space between us and God. The fact is that God, God is holy, God's pure, God, God's perfect, and we end up with this chasm that we have between us and God. Friends, 
our, our, our loneliness, our, our need for, for connection, I believe pushes us and draws us to go home to be with Jesus, to connect with God, to have a relationship with God. It's just innate in us. You know, God, God could have looked at our situation. God could have looked and said, eh, so we're separated, so what? You know, it's a lot of trouble to have to deal with. But God didn't do that. God looked at our situation, and God's heart was moved in that. And God placed such a high value on, on you and me that, that he paid an unbelievable price. He sent Jesus. He sent his only son. Why? To make it right so that we could have a relationship. You know, Jesus left his home in heaven. He became human. He was born into an earthly family. Uh, he had a new home. And Jesus did that so that we could come home. And that's what Christmas is about. You know, there, there's uh, this uh, kind of hole that all of us have in our hearts. I mean, it's, it's a hole, it's an emptiness that I believe only Jesus Christ can fill in our lives. See, Jesus understood loneliness, didn't he? You think about Jesus when he was hanging on the cross. He's taking on all of our sins, literally taking them on. And God couldn't look at him anymore because God can't look at sin. And the scripture in uh, Matthew 27, it says God turns his back on his son. See, that's why Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, why, why have you turned your back on me? Why, why this loneliness all of a sudden? See, Jesus experienced agonizing loneliness so that we could come home, so that we could be home with God. The fact is that uh, we have this hole in our heart. And I believe it's a God hole that we can only fill with God. When I was um, in the Keys, those, those that know, I loved to fish. I mean, I loved to fish. And I loved back then that got my, just got my heart going as, as a kid because we lived about a football field from the Atlantic Ocean and the shrimp docks. And so I would go out there often and I would fish on the docks. And a buddy of mine named Keith, he uh, got, a, got a new boat. It was just a small boat, but he got it for his birthday, which meant we no longer had to fish from the docks. In other words, we could go wherever the fish were, and we were, we were jazzed about it. And I remember the first time we took the boat out. We got out maybe uh, 100 feet or so. We're taking on water. There's no, the, the drain plug's gone from the boat. And friends, we searched for weeks and weeks to find that drain plug. Do you think it kept us from fishing? Mm -mm. I mean, the fish were calling. We had a boat. And so we tried to plug that, that hole with all kinds of things. I, I, remember, I remember trying uh, gum in there, a lot of gum, <laughs> socks, sticks. That probably the funniest. We took a beach ball one time, stuck it through the plug, blew it up. That really didn't work, but uh, it sounded like a good idea at the time. No matter what we did, we would paddle out, we'd start taking on water, we'd return to, to the shore, 
and we would bail the water out, and we would do it again and again and again. We barely got any fishing done. And it was a glorious day when Keith's mom says, I've got a plug for you. We, we, we hugged her. We were celebrating. We raced down. We, we put it in the, the boat, and it was a perfect fit. And, man, we had a blast. But, friends, my point is you have a hole in your heart, a God-shaped hole. And some of you are trying to fill that hole with all kinds of junk. You know, money and homes and cars and possessions. Some of you, it's about awards and accomplishments. And you think it's going to fill that hole. And you keep trying different things in your life. And you take on water and you start sinking. And then you at the bail for a while. And then you try something else, right? And when that doesn't work, you try another thing and another thing, just trying to fill the plug in life. Some of you are are paddling and bailing and spending so much time, and, and no one around you knows it, but the fact is you're sinking in life. There, there is only one thing. Hear this. There's only one thing that will fill that hole in your heart, and it's Jesus. See, that's what Christmas is about. I mean, I wonder, have you made Jesus your Savior and Lord? You know, have you made a commitment to Jesus Christ? You got to let Jesus fill that hole. Some of you have a hole in your heart today. I'd, I'd encourage you to take that step. You know, that first Christmas, um, it made it possible for us to have a relationship with God. You know, Jesus made that possible. Again, that's what Christmas is about. And I I, I wonder, are you pursuing that relationship? You know, regularly, consistently. Are you trying to connect with God on a regular basis? The Hebrew writer says, for God has said, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. Friends, It's not about religion. When you read that, it's about a relationship. You know, Christmas is about God wanting a relationship with you. Nobody else can have that for you. You know, Isaiah says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive, bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And you can almost miss it there because Emmanuel means God with us. God's with us in the midst of whatever it is you're going through. God, God's with you. And that's what separates Christianity from every other world religion is it's about relationship. How do you pursue a relationship? Well, this is kind of ironic. You have to get alone to overcome loneliness. You have to get alone with God. You have to talk to God regularly. You have to pray and and listen. And I know people make this so complicated. Friends, it's just a conversation with God. 
you know, you talk to God about what you're struggling with in life, what you're going through. You, you thank God for the things that he's blessed you with in your life. You know, you, you ask God for, for guidance. Maybe you're facing some challenges and say, you know, God, how do, how do I get through this? But you pour your heart out to God. This is not complicated stuff. Friends, you do that, God will hear you. I guarantee you that. You got to read and feed on God's word. You know, spend time in it. Jesus answered, he says, it is written in scripture. A person does not live only by eating bread, but a person lives by everything the Lord says. God's word nourishes us, and we are to consume it. We're to digest it and allow it to to nourish us. And the fact is, too many Christians are are malnourished these days. You know, I had a a German shepherd growing up. Uh, His name was Blaze. And Blaze, in the morning, he would go out and pick up the newspaper, and he'd bring it to the front porch. And I know you're thinking, wow, sound like a brilliant dog. He didn't read the paper. <laughs> he ate it. <laughs> I'm not talking chewed it up. He ate it. And my, and my mom and dad, that didn't go over big with mom and dad. And uh, they told me to get a handle on it uh, somehow. And so I would get up before the newspaper person would get there and get the newspaper. That did not fix it. He just trotted down to the neighbors, picked up, comes back, he's got three papers in his mouth, you know, a three-course meal, yum, yum, you know. But Christ followers, we are called to digest God's word. We're called to consume it. Not literally, but but I'm talking about reading God's word. When was the last time you picked up your Bible and just read a little bit? I'm not talking reading chapters after chapter. Just read a couple verses and allow it to to infiltrate your life. Allow God's word to change you. You know, it's allowing God through his word to mark you somehow. You know, mark your relationships. Mark your vocation. to, To mark your life in every way as God's spirit speaks to you through his word. Friends, you are fearfully and wonderfully created. You are unique. You're one of a kind. Nobody's ever been on this planet that looks or acts or has the same DNA as you. But you are also designed with a very common need, and we all have it. We are designed by God to have a relationship with him. And I want you to hear this. Doing life alone goes against everything that God created us for. You will never reach your full God-given potential until you learn to build relationships with other people. You won't. Some of you are frustrated, and that's why. You're trying to do it alone. You know, you look at the, the book of Genesis, and the, this is uh, the, the creation account. And God created the plants and creates the animals, and then he creates the, the trees and the flowers. And after he, each of these creative acts, God steps back. He kind of takes it in. And he says, it's good. It's very good. And then God creates Adam. 
Adam and God, they've got this connection. They talk in the garden all the time, and they just walk and talk. And Adam's relationship with God, it's really good. It's a great relationship. But God's looking, and he saw something really troubling. Because God identified and saw another level of loneliness, which inspired God to do something. Scripture says, it's not good for man to be alone. So I'll create a companion for him, a perfect suited partner. God didn't go into denial at that point. God didn't try and explain it away. No, God created, created woman, to, a compliment, a companion. You know, someone that, that he could experience community with. And friends, my, my point is every time you seek out a relationship in life, You are simply reflecting uh, the fact that you are made in the image of God, a God that is relational. It's about connecting with other people. You know, we, we desire that kind of connection. It's built into your DNA. Did you know that? You know, I was uh, talking to a preschooler the other day, and uh, this kid he was wound for sound i mean he he is so excited and he's telling me he's gonna have a friend over and they're gonna have a sleepover and he's telling me all about his plans that he's got for that day he's planning on staying up all night i heard he went to bed like at seven or something like that but that was his plan he's gonna eat pizza He's going to play games. He's going to watch movies with his friend. They're going to do some painting. He's going to scare his parents, he told me. But the fact is, he was getting ready for what I would call four-year-old community. Then I talked to a guy that's probably in his 70s. He's telling me he'd had some friends over and they had coffee together. He's telling me about it. They just laughed and they were connecting and that how it breathed life into him and the fact is whether you're four or 74 you need connections with other people we need community we need each other and in fact watch watch this clip here this is from shrek hey shrek what we gonna do when we get out of swamp anyway our swamp? You know, when we threw rescuing the princess and all that stuff. We? Donkey, there's no we. There's no our. There's just me and my swamp. And the first thing I'm gonna do is build a ten-foot wall around my land. You cut me deep, Shrek. You cut me real deep just now. <laughs> you know what I think? I think this whole wall thing is just a way to keep somebody out. No. Do you think? Are you hiding something? Never mind, donkey. Oh, this is another one of those onion things, isn't it? No, this is one of those drop it and leave it alone things. Well, why don't you want to talk about it? Why do you want to talk about it? Well, why are you blocking? I'm not blocking. Oh, yes, you are. Donkey, I'm warning you. Who are you trying to keep out? Just tell me that, Shrek. Who? Everyone, okay? Oh, now we're getting somewhere. Oh, for the love of Pete. Hey, what's your problem, Shrek? What you got against the whole world anyway? Huh? Look, I'm not the one with the problem, okay? It's the world that seems to have a problem with me. People take one look at me and go, Ah, help! Run! A big, stupid, ugly ogre. 
They judge me before they even know me. That's why I'm better off alone. Friends, community is about knowing and being known. Community is about loving and being loved. Friends, I believe oftentimes the reason why people do not pursue true, authentic community is because of fear. We think, oh, if people really knew me, they wouldn't like me. And so what do we do? We build walls. We don't interact with people. We, we keep people kind of at bay in our lives. And, and can I say something? I mean, s- some of you are really struggling this year. Some of you feel really tired Worn, frayed, lonely. And you kind of shrug it off and you go, oh, it's a COVID-19 thing. That's partially right. Partially. See, it's the isolation. It's the lack of community. It's taken its toll on you. Emotionally, physically, spiritually. I I believe it's why people are irritable, angry, depressed. I think it's why students are struggling right now. See, TikTok and Instagram, Facebook and YouTube and all the social media stuff will not meet the need. It cannot fix it. It won't, because it's not designed to. You need real, authentic community, especially during stressful times. And my, my best advice to you is to figure out a way to have safe, consistent, authentic community with other people. You know, the Hebrew writer says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Friends, this, this morning, this is community. This is community. We need each other more than ever. We need each other. And I want you to listen very, very carefully. All right? I do not want to be misquoted. But I get the fact that some, because of health reasons, are staying home. I get that. So if you're watching online, I get that. If you're sheltering in, I get that. All right? But here's what drives me crazy. When I run into people at the store or the restaurants or, or I see posts on Facebook, you know, eating out, attending events, you know, hitting the gym at parties, 
And I'll be honest, sometimes I wish I did not know what I know, all right? But when I'm talking to individuals, and they say to me, you know, we'll be back when the whole COVID thing's over. And I'll be honest with you, the whole time they're talking, I'm thinking, it's your story, but I'm not buying it. I just said that, you know. You're going, did he really just say that? Yeah, I did. Christ followers. We need each other. We need community. We got to figure out how to, how to do that. And, and so I wonder, where are you today when it comes to that? You know, I know you have plans to be home for Christmas. You want to be surrounded by family and friends but in the midst of the snow and the mistletoe and presents around the tree, the fact is you may still be alone. You may still be dealing with loneliness in, in your life. And so one more time, here's the challenge. And I challenge you this Christmas season to realize that Jesus Christ left his home so that you don't have to be alone so that you could be at home with God, so you could have a relationship with God, so that you could connect with God. And I would challenge you to pursue that relationship with God. Make it a priority. Nurture it. Do it this Christmas. Just go out. You know what? I'm going to spend five minutes a day and just connect with God and then pursue authentic community. I don't know what that looks like, but there's ways to do it. You know, connect with brothers and sisters in the faith because otherwise you're going to be lonely, you're going to be defeated, and you're going to be tired and worn and frustrated. Anybody frustrated out there? Friends, we need each other. We do. So we've got to make that commitment this Christmas. I challenge you to do that. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy God, God, I thank you that you loved us so much that your son was willing to come to this world to leave the luxuries of heaven, to leave that home so that we could come home to you. God, I'm reminded every Christmas of that sacrifice. And God, I pray this Christmas especially that you'd move hearts. God, you would draw us in. God, that we would uh, make our relationship with you a priority. And God, help us to better relate to one another. Build authentic, real community with others. God, there are a lot of lonely people this year. God, I pray that you would use us to make a difference. God, we thank you for your son. We thank you for Jesus. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God's people said, amen.
remain seated and just let this song minister to you. And just remember, Jesus left his home so that you could come home, so you could be with God, so that we could all have real relationships with each other. So let this minister to you right now. <laughs>